All right, welcome to the Words Liberate. The topic of conversation today is alchemy. And we're gonna be posing the question, what does alchemy have to do with self-development? And how can we, and if, is there any way alchemy can aid us in our personal developmental journeys? And so in the beginning, alchemy is known as the precursor to chemistry. Long ago, alchemy was what chemistry is for us today. It was a kind of scientific methodology in natural philosophy, which was the forerunner of modern science. And alchemy can be traced back to Asia, Africa, the Islamic world, Egypt, all over Europe. Potentially, arguably, at the beginning of ancient Egypt, around three or 4,000 BCE all the way, going all the way up to the 18th century in Europe. And so, on the surface level, alchemy, like we said, was a system akin to chemistry. As like chemistry, alchemy involved the observation and interaction with substances, materials, and chemicals as a means to ultimately concoct a mixture that resulted in or could be used for some desired goal. And so we can see the structure of alchemy and chemistry are the same. Although they're both means to obtain an end, their ends definitely differ, which we'll get into. But before we begin, it is of the utmost importance to note that alchemy, even today, is a moot subject, meaning its existence, content, and purpose is still subject to debate. And this is due to the difficulty of understanding ancient alchemical texts, the complexity of them, as well as lost evidence pertaining to alchemy. And so, alchemy can be divided into two sectors, which are the esoteric and the exoteric. And so, the exoteric sector, the external sector, the outer sector of alchemy, or the outer belief or notion that many people subscribe to, believe alchemy to be a physical science, while the inner or the esoteric sector of alchemy perceives it to be a transformational and or psychological system akin to self-development. And so on the exoteric level, we have scholars and authors like Lawrence M. Principe, and the, who is the, um, the Drew Professor of Humanities at John Hopkins University. He's in the Department of History of Science and Technology, as well as the Department of Chemistry. And it's important to note that he is recognized as one of the most prominent experts on the history of alchemy, and states that there are code words in alchemy, basically. And he interprets these codes to represent purely physical substances, therefore giving rise to the interpretation that alchemy is literally just basically ancient chemistry. Chemistry, but not as advanced as it is today. We also have William R. Newman, who is the professor in the Department of History and Philosophy of Science at Indiana University, whose main work has been devoted to alchemy. And he would agree with Principe that the code words in alchemy represent physical substances. And in fact, they have both actually worked together in the past, furthering this argument. But on the esoteric level, with the esoteric interpretation of alchemy, 
We have scholars like Florin George Kalin who question and disagree with both Principe and Newman, believing these same code words to be spiritual, religious, and psychological indicators of personal development. And so in his work, Alchemia, Operativia, and Alchemia Speculativia, some modern controversies on the histiography of alchemy, Kalin states that, quote, William R. Newman and Lawrence M. Principe are the most recent influential scholars to reject the spiritual face of alchemy in the history of science. End quote. He also adds that, quote, alchemy can be seen as part of a re- religious behavior, as a projection of psychological content on the level of matter, as a part of Western esotericism, or even as, or even as a hermetic tradition, or as a humetic practice, end quote. Now note, this last quote that he says, right, adding, first making the claim that William R. Newman and Principe are the most recent influential scholars to reject the spiritual face of alchemy in the history of science. Now, when he adds to that, him saying that alchemy can be seen as a part of a religious behavior, a projection of psychological content, the level of matter, and so on and so on, he's referencing a multitude of other people. So one, he references, when he says alchemy can be seen as a part of a religious behavior, that's coming from Mircea Ilade. Right? When he says alchemy can be a projection of psychological content on the level of matter, that's from Carl Jung. Right? Saying alchemy is a part of Western esotericism. Right? That's coming from Anton Favre. Or even as a hermetic tradition, that's coming from Julius Evola. So, right there, we're increasing the. or we're increasing the, the collection of individuals that all agree with the interpretation that alchemy can be extrapolated for self-development. Now, in agreeance with Kalin, with, in agreeance with Florin George Kalin, that alchemy is a self-developmental system is Anna Marie Roos, who is an author and professor of the history, science, and medicine at the University of Lincoln and also a fellow of Society of Antiquaries and a fellow of the Linnean Society of London, subscribes to the same notions in her 2013 review of The Secrets of Alchemy, Studies in History and Philosophy of Science in the Principe's book. And so for clarification and context, it's important to note that when we talk about alchemy, we are talking about the esoteric inner perspective of the science which can be corroborated by accredited authors and distinguished professors and scholars across the world. Even though the subject of alchemy is still subject to, to debate and the objectivity of the topic may not be widely agreed upon in full, there is still valuable insight in the alchemical perspective of self-development. That is, of course, not to say that we are skewing alchemy to fit our needs and therefore merely taking a creative approach on alchemy that has no grounding in the real world. On the contrary, we are simply presenting the the records of different groups of people across the ages and world to present a timeless agreed upon consensus. And so the reason we are discussing alchemy is because this ancient alchemical system represented the same exact thing self-development represents, 
that is the cultivation, improvement, and forward progression of the substance of mind, body, and emotion. And so when we pose the question, what is alchemy? We understand the mystic and esoteric author Manly Hall when he says alchemy is perceived as that mysterious and divine and precious chemistry which transmutes all evil in human nature into perfect gold. And so a basic fundamental axiom of alchemy is man perfects nature through art. Nature here is referring to the individual's nature, the individual's pattern of behavior, of their reactions, while the art is representing essentially the conscience. The art here, the art that is able to perfect one's nature refers to the lifestyle of conscious reflection of your experiences in life, which gives rise to wisdom as time progresses. Therefore, art is the wisdom to know and the skill to do, right? And so the wisdom perfected by art is the wise man's stone, giving rise to the Latin quote, we sit anteriori teriai rectificando unwenis occultum lapidem, which in English means by visiting the interior, interior of ourselves and upon rectifying one will find the secret stone. And so from this, now we can lift the veil of alchemy, right? That alchemy is about immortality. Because the elixir is actually you perfecting your nature. The elixir is you obtaining wisdom, the good, becoming ethical, becoming moral, right? Now, when we take that quote and we take the first letter of each word, an acronym, uh, a acronym we get the word vitriol, which in chemistry is the green acidic sulfate. And so we can see the power. If, if, we were to, if we were to come back and paraphrase and use one word to explain everything we just said about alchemy, starting from the fundamental axiom of man perfects nature through art, and then what that means. To sum that up, it would be in the word vitriol, referencing the Latin quote, the Latin phrase, right? By visiting the interior upon, upon yourself and upon building, rebuilding, you find the secret stone. The secret stone, that's being good. That's being moral, being ethical. That's wisdom, right? That's consciously reflecting on your life to be a better person, that process every day. That's what that is. Now we can see though, that by visiting the interior of yourself, this extracts an incredibly heavy toll. This is very difficult. This is very, very difficult and it's rarely sought after. Most of us come into existence and seek material wealth and we seek to maximize our material wealth. We're bred that way, we're taught that way. And so by doing this, it can be pretty profound. It could be sometimes a product of insanity can occur. It can be, uh, vitriol can be 
turn into insanity. And so imagine a cup. Imagine in that cup is filled with a liquid. This liquid is vitriol. Now, if you use it in the intermediate condition, right between in the middle of excess and deficient, deficiency, not enough, right? You will drink it in due measure, appropriately, correctly, moderately. If there's no pause for thought in drinking this profound liquid, you will die, you, you will kill yourself. So this process of vitriol, this process of div- diving deep within is a double-edged sword, right? It can either bring harm or harmony. And so it necessitates preparation. Now, a common occurrence in alchemy is the comparison of wisdom and wealth, right? The seeking a, those seeking a regeneration of themselves through internal illumination sought wisdom, knowing wisdom to be of the utmost value, while wealth was the focus of what Anthony Hopkins in Westworld calls the delos, the money men, right? The dedication of one's faculties to obtain only worldly success is the focus of a mere mortal. And so alchemy has the connotation of wisdom since it is about improving and making the individual a better person, which this interpretation can be extracted from the information presented thus far. Also alchemy has the connotation of wealth, right? probably coming from the book of Enoch, which is said that alchemy was revealed to mortals as a regeneration of elements. But it was revealed to mortals, this divine chemistry, this precious chemistry, and this story was revealed to mortals as revenge because the fallen angels knew that by, that wealth would impede upon the, per, the personal progression of one's life. And so it, it represents the universal difficulty of trying not to get lost on the path, temptation, to not stray away from what is important, to not feed in to all of the other temptations on this road, to not get lost in the monetary affairs. Because wealth can be a product of wisdom but wisdom is rarely ever a product of wealth. And so in Europe, during the Hermetic Recension, and thanks to the Victorian revival of alchemy, which was a time in Europe when the European mind was infatuated with philosophies of Egypt, China, India, Africa, the Middle East, the topic of alchemy consumed these European minds with extreme curiosity. And so the notion that a base physical metal could be turned into gold represents more than just a change of something physical. It can also be used to represent mental states and states of being, and more so showed how we can use life's experiences to change the quality of our lives. This is the notion of realizing that every experience is an opportunity to learn something valuable, which can be, which is of real aid in our developmental journeys. And so alchemy was the science of changing or 
transmutating a base or low metal like lead, alloy, or bronze into a high-valued metal like gold. The invaluable metal of lead, alloy, and bronze represented low mind states like depression, sorrow, and more so a gloomy, a gloomy melancholy. The valuable metals of gold and silver were mental states, emotional states, physical states of health. They represented happiness, euphoria, positive well-being. Now at this time, in 18th century Europe, um, this world it didn't allow for open discussion as a means for the common person to gain illumination of themselves. There was no way to satisfy their curious minds and, all the, and their infatuation with ancient wisdom and seeking improvement of themselves. They had to seek to gain elucidation in the dark. They were forced to work in the dark. They were forced to enter the mysterious, unknown, dark cave and do their work there. And so because of this, their findings, they were forced to be covered up. Their thoughts, their findings, they had to drape them in a cloak of secrecy because to openly express it would result in heresy, imprisonment, and even death. And so the individuals that pursued this illuminating path, these individuals who sought the internal illumination within themselves were known as adepts and were known to possess the power to examine into the hearts and minds of people to produce change, transformation and or growth because they themselves lived, lived the life. And so alchemy being a system of self-development in 18th century Europe was covered up with a cloak of secrecy by becoming a system of physical metals. But clues were left behind to show its parallels to self-development. One of those clues is vitriol, which we just spoke about is it's, it's a clue left behind to help us understand self-development a little bit more. Right, right? The archaic chemist, vitriol is the sulfuric acid. And it's colloquially, it's known as a type of brutal critiquing, a kind of nihilistic mode of questioning. And so we can see vitriol has, like we spoke about, it has the possibility of destruction, harm, abuse. It's a vicious eating away of something, acknowledging its chemical definition. If it's not used appropriately, using its esoteric interpretation. It suggests the phenomenon of adventuring into the unknown, which is yourself, which resides deep in the crevices of the individual's heart and mind. And after you rectify, you rebuild, you find the answers you seek, the philosopher's stone, the secret stone. Moreover, this acronym represents the self-development, self-developmental phenomenon known as going within the self or acknowledging the self. It represents the individual who is inspired to do better in life, digs deep within themselves to understand themselves 
as a means to cultivate and grow. It represents the notion, everything you need is within. It represents Carl Jung's recommendation to merge the unconscious with the conscious. And so note what Jung calls enlightenment, the alchemists, calls the philosopher's stone or the secret stone or the elixir of life or the keys to immortality, which has been so popularized by Hollywood. It's the same exact concept, but just different wording. This alchemical maxim represents arrive, oh, being willing to open those very old, strong, locked doors that hide your wounds, your trauma, your social programming, your false indoctrinations, your inability to critically examine your assumptions and presuppositions on the daily. But when you do do that, and after conscious reflection, after igniting your conscience, right, as a means to perfect your nature through the art, the art is this process of you digging deep within, you begin to rectify the core, rebuild your operating system in behavior to heal, to become wholesome. It's, it's the shadow self that needs attending to in analytical psychology, which was birthed from Jungian psychology, who emphasized extensively on human development. What we're speaking about here, it's the Buddhist traditional story of inviting the demon in, where Siddhartha prepared himself with using meditative techniques in order to face Mara, his personal demons, which are present in all human experience. Right? It's what Marcus Aurelius meant when he said in his meditations, dig deep. The water, which is the goodness, is down there. And as long as you keep digging, you will keep bubbling it up. And so for context here, we have the same self-developmental concept lasting the test of time, being circulated for more than 2,000 years. And so there must be some grand reward for that passionate individual who is willing to open the doors to themselves and begin that healing, enhancing, and amplifying relationship, which is known today as self-development. And in this talk, and in 18th century Europe and in different centuries all throughout the world, was known as alchemy. Now we can't speak about alchemy without talking about its Hollywoodized connection to immortality, to be stuck, encapsulated in a materialistic cage. Alchemy, as we know now, was known as a physical science that was used to reach immortality. The Fantastic Beasts movie, the Harry Potter film, the, sec the, the second Fantastic Beasts film, there's a scene where there's an alchemist. A very, very brittled, old man. There's a scene there, uh, it was, there's a scene there where the, al the alchemist introduced himself and says, I'm so-and-so, I'm an alchemist and therefore immortal, reaches out his hand to shake the gentleman's hand and his hand breaks, making a proper mockery of the fact that alchemy is about immortality, physical immortality. 
Not to say in any way whatsoever or to assume or insinuate that the directors of Fantastic Beasts knew about every, about alchemy and self-development blah, and were purposely doing that. This is just a creative interpretation I'm taking from it. Um, it's a perfect example, right? Of why we associate alchemy as the quick fix, the instant gratification of immortality. Or it's the elixir of life, the fountain of youth, which is, these terms though, elixir of life and fountain of youth are present in the world, all over the world in antiquity. The search for immortality though, was never about literal immortality. And I think that is of extreme importance when trying to understand alchemy. We spoke about in the beginning, the difference between wisdom and wealth. Alchemy historically has been sought to show two paths. One is down wealth, one is down wisdom. And the one down wealth is the falsified path, the path of error, the path of misguidance, arriving at the need and desire to live forever. Alchemy was about discovering that thing in life that is metaphorically eternal that thing that has universal applicability to all people, something that is common to all people, but all people tend to miss it. And what this thing is, is self-development. And in, in antiquity, referencing different people, it was sought over anything else because it was an end in itself. It was the most valuable thing a human could obtain and begin to maintain, which is self-development but it remained hidden within the deepest crevices of the individual. No wise person would ever wish to remain stuck in their physical body forever. The sages of the past sought wisdom and gave little concern for wealth, for they knew the rich individual was the one who was rich in truth, while the poor were the individual who was poor in truth. Therefore, no amount of money could make you rich. And so alchemy now is no longer shrouded in mystery. We hope that the listener has grasped something valuable from this talk, something they can use in that special process of opening the door, which brings forth understanding and illumination after navigating through the realms of their dark cave. If the listener is to take away anything, understand that your experiences can change you for the better. By understanding that we can gain something from each experience, we can use them to change our state of being. And from that, our experiences become of the utmost aid in developing ourselves. And so with that, we are finished for today.